to it. It's a Sunday night. It's time to do the Monday We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to be with you. Getting ahead of the week. It's uh, Thanksgiving week, and what a week it's going to be. Ohio State and Michigan on Saturday, and we've got Browns and Ravens, first of two in a row that they're going to play the Ravens. Yeah, I know there's an off week in between, but still, that's pretty interesting. We've got Thanksgiving games on Thursday, and the Bengals with a big win, big win in Las Vegas. So a lot to get to, and we'll get to all of it. OSU looks great against Michigan State. Browns and Bengals both win. High school football playoffs entering your Final Four. I know that's a licensed term. We're not supposed to use it, but I still think um, it's self-evident when you're down to four semifinalists in each division, 28 teams left, chasing the chance to win a state championship. I still think Final Four is an okay way to refer to them. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Before we get into the Buckeyes win over Michigan State, man, what a blowout that was. Uh, Let me remind you that Christmas will be here before you know it. Why deal with supply chain issues, shipping issues, and all that? Why not deal with somebody pretty local who will get those orders out to your corporate clients and to your friends? I'm talking, of course, about my friends at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. I think I'm going to head out to Hemisphere this week just to talk to the people there, see how they're doing, see what kind of a year they've had. I know they've got a lot of things in store to expand their product line, but their product line is pretty phenomenal. And particularly this time of year, you're a realtor, you're a lawyer, you're somebody who sends out corporate gifts, you're somebody who has clients, you want to let them know you're thinking about them. You don't want to break the bank doing it. I mean, a very modest way to let them know what office doesn't like coffee. And where are you going to get better coffee than from a local company that puts you in touch with the best coffee across the globe? I'm talking, of course, about Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. And because you're a listener to the We Tackle Life podcast, you get a 15% discount when you use the promo code We Tackle Life in all caps. You can order chocolate, tea, coffee, you name it, they've got it. They'll even box it up and put it in a great gift basket for you. So I don't know why you'd go anywhere else. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, the coffee sourced from around the world, Indonesia, Thailand, Nicaragua, on and on and on. Great coffee, really wonderful people, and you'll be very happy. They give you free shipping, by the way, on orders of $30 or more. So take advantage of it, promo code we tackle life in all caps. All right. I don't hate to say I told you so. I like saying I told you so because that means I'm not an idiot and it means that I'm on target with my predictions. And I told you Sparty would be of no threat to Ohio State and they were of even less threat than I anticipated. 56 to 7. Wow. Uh, Mel Tucker, as, the, as Mike Davis, former Indiana coach, once screamed at an opposing uh, fan base when his Indiana Hoosiers were smacking him down in the NCAA tournament, get you a team. Get, get you a team, Mel Tucker. Yes, I know Michigan State is 9-2. and two. This is why I get so frosted when people demean the Cincinnati Bearcats football schedule because I've said it before, and I don't want to bore you with it, but do I need any more proof that the Big Ten is – a fake, phony, beyond Ohio State conference. Ohio State's good. They're legit good. They're elite good. They're national championship good. Everybody else in the league, and you're going to find it out this week, is is average to Michigan. Maybe a little bit better than a than a you know a 15th ranked football team. Not very much better. I'll give Michigan um, a little bit more of a chance than I gave Michigan State. 
because the game's at home and we all know what it means and blah, 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 blah. And Ohio State's here. And I don't think it helps C.J. Stroud that now people are saying he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. I don't think it helps Ohio State that they went up to number two in the polls and all that. Theoretically, the game is for all the marbles, Big Ten East and you know Big Ten Championship game and all that kind of stuff and national championship aspirations. And in 2019, when that was last the case in this rivalry, of course, that was the um, – uh, was that not the uh, was that the uh, uh, JT Barrett game 2019? No, it wasn't 2019. That's way longer ago than that. But at any rate, uh, that's when it was. And Ohio State has not lost to Michigan in what eight years? Is it only eight years? I guess. But like 15 of the last 16, or I don't know, 20 of the last 21, or 842 of the last 843. <laughs> I don't know what. It seems like Michigan hasn't won in forever. So I would not expect them to win this game. And I think, you know, Michigan's defense might be a little bit better. It's not Don Brown, blitz every down, put your corners on an island bad. But Ohio State's going to score 42 to whatever points. Now remember, hey, don't forget this, kids. Late in the in the summer, or was it last year? Was it last year? Anyway, we didn't play Michigan last year. Okay, so when... Jim Harbaugh, I think this was a year ago, COVID year. I think Jim Harbaugh tried to get Ohio State in trouble for tattling them out for some video he saw where the coaches were not wearing masks or were not socially distant enough or whatever. And the the Ohio State people are under the impression that Michigan turned them into the conference and tried to get them in trouble. And you remember Ryan Day said, if we can score 100 on them, we're going to. Well, Well, given the way they started against Purdue and against Michigan State, um, they kind of look capable of it. Is Michigan able to stop them? I don't know, but Michigan's going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to shorten the game. They want the game to be played in the 20s or the very low 30s. If the game gets into the 40s, I can't imagine Michigan has a chance. So I'm going to predict 48. 48 would be six touchdowns and two field goals. Eh, that might be a lot. Let's say 41. Let's say let's say 5 touchdowns and 2 field goals. 41 to 24. 41 to 24 and it might be 41 to 23. It might be uh 2 touchdowns and 3 field goals. Michigan's not very good field goal kicking. It might be 41 to 20. Somewhere in there. 40 low 40s to to low to mid 20s is my prediction on this Michigan Ohio State game. I could not believe when I saw my friend Lance McAllister from WLW in Cincinnati tweet the odds out. It's not they're not Lance's odds, they're just the odds. Lance tweets out the odds. Ohio State by seven and a half? Only seven and a half? Is that like the first quarter score? Ohio State by seven and a half? Look, don't go bet on my uh crazy view of this game, but I just don't take Michigan seriously at all. And I know the prop the what do they call it the trans transformative properties don't hold, but Michigan lost to Michigan State. They lost to Michigan State and Michigan State. Do I need to refresh your memory? Fifty six to seven. So if Michigan wins this game, to me, it would be the same kind of upset as nineteen sixty eight. And maybe that's what Harbaugh needs to get his program going. That sure jump started Bo's program, but. Uh, the wild card for Michigan is they kind of discovered Donovan Edwards as a running back slash receiver 
on Saturday at Maryland. Now, Maryland's defense is, you know, not going to make anybody forget any kind of a great defense anytime soon. But he had 10 catches for 170 yards. Everything Michigan tried worked. They scored 59 points on Maryland, which I didn't think they were capable of doing. I thought they might struggle to win. Maybe they're getting better. Okay, great. Uh, Cade McNamara was 21 of 28. Cade McNamara has to throw the football 30 times. Michigan sunk. They are sunk. They have to be able to run the football just to keep it, the defense off the field. And Aiden Hutchinson cannot go sackless on Saturday against Ohio State. But I just think Harbaugh is going to do something stupid. He's going to put J.J. McCarthy in the game, or he's going to try some wacky, uh, dumb play call. And Ryan Day is just a surgeon in these games. He just schemes it, and his guys are are surgically robotic and I look, Ohio State looks really, really good. And now you don't have to worry about Oregon because Oregon went out to Utah and forgot to play the game. And Utah just smoked Oregon. What was it, 38 to 7 or something like that? So now Oregon's out. And I, I, I don't think Michigan can do what Oregon did. And I think Ohio State's defense has confidence. I don't know if it's really, it's better because it has confidence. It didn't have any confidence at the time of the Oregon game. But they've gotten experience. They've gotten a little bit better. And so I just I just think it's going to be, you know, low 40s to mid to low 20s. And Ohio State will win the game. They'll just absolutely eviscerate Wisconsin or Iowa. I wouldn't even show up if I'm Iowa or Wisconsin. And then we'll get a college football playoff semifinal between uh, – will we get Ohio State uh, – We'll get we'll get Georgia, Cincinnati, and Ohio State, Alabama. Because Ohio State and Alabama, two and three, it's a moot point. Two plays three. So Ohio State's gonna play Bama. I think Cincinnati will win at East Carolina. I had a guy on Twitter say, Oh, Cincinnati's gonna lose at East Carolina. Well, you better hope they don't, because if your other playoff team is Oklahoma State or <laughs> who else would it be? Uh, I can't even think who else it would be at this point. Can't be Oregon. Certainly can't be Oregon. Who else is up there in the ratings that it could put? Notre Dame? You want Notre Dame in the playoff? You want to see Georgia play Notre Dame? Okay, have fun with that. Uh, Ole Miss? Now, that might be entertaining. Lane Kiffin against against, uh, Georgia. But I just don't see it. I think Cincinnati will win that game. I think Cincinnati will beat Houston. And right now... Really, all Cincinnati has to do is win. Forget style points. I hate style points. I hate that. Winning is hard, and uh, Cincinnati's not one of those blue-blood programs like Ohio State or Alabama that can just roll the helmets out there. But Ohio State-Alabama in a semi, hey, maybe it's breaking just like 2014. Ohio State-Alabama, and then Ohio State would play you know, the Cincinnati-Georgia winner. Cincinnati played Georgia tough last year. How about that if Cincinnati would beat Georgia? Woo! Ohio State, Cincinnati for all the marbles, and you would think Ohio State would win that game, but if they didn't, oh, oh, can you imagine Cincinnati beating Ohio? Just for the just for the sake of wondering whether your life could go on as a sports fan in the state of Ohio, it was bad enough when Xavier beat Cincinnati the other night. If Cincinnati football beats Ohio State in the national championship game, well, it's not going to happen. But at any rate, just you know playing around with with uh, weird, wacky uh, scenarios. What if Luke Fickle beat Ohio State for the national championship? Oh, my goodness. Okay, enough fantasy. Let's get back to reality. 
and remind you that Willis Spangler Starling is the attorney firm of choice. If you are in a legal action, you might think you're having a nightmare. It's not a fantasy, that's for sure. But Willis Spangler Starling can make that nightmare go away. They will give you excellent representation. Wills, estate planning, probate, personal injury, employment law, social security disability, all those legal actions can be confounding and ponderous and, yes, expensive. But Willis Spangler Starling will give you an idea right up front of their investment of time and what your cost will be. They take some cases on a contingency basis. They will give you a free consultation if you mention that you heard about them on the We Tackle Life podcast. Willis Spangler Starling's physical offices are located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, just a little bit north of the Mill Run Target Home Depot area. Willis Spangler Starling on Twitter at Spangler Willis on the web at WillisAttorneys.com, WillisAttorneys.com. All right, anything else we need to clean up from the college football weekend here? We got Michigan. Cincinnati just pounded SMU and you know it's not SMU with the Pony Express of Craig James and Eric Dickerson but it's not SMU of the death penalty uh, barely warmed over death penalty teams either SMU is good they're eight and two and they put up points on everybody Cincinnati just shut them down I keep telling you that Bearcat defense is legit Desmond Ritter ran for a touchdown 40 some yards threw for a couple and caught a touchdown pass on the Philly special, or when it's Cincinnati, of course, it's the Chili special. <laughs> Skyline Chili, Gold Star Chili. You get it. The Chili special. Des Ritter's a nice player. Uh, Des Ritter might get a Heisman invite. He's not going to win the Heisman, but he might get a Heisman invite. So Cincinnati looking good. Got to go to East Carolina. East Carolina's 7-4. and Got to pay attention. Then they'll have Houston, which is 10-1, and by the way, in the AAC championship game. Uh, Houston lost to Texas Tech. Texas Tech got smoked by Oklahoma State. So I don't really think Houston's a threat. But, you know, when you play and you haven't lost, it's just kind of cumulative. The, oh, we're not going to lose this week, are we? Kind of fear. So we'll see. But I don't think Cincinnati's in danger. And all they have to do is win. And they are in the playoff. Good for them. First non-Power 5 team to make the playoff. Good for Luke Fickle. By the way, there's another job out there that Luke Fickle can use to uh, make Cincinnati fans nervous and maybe get even more money out of Cincinnati. Florida fired Dan Mullen today. Now, what do they think they're going to do getting a coach who's better than Dan Mullen? Dan Mullen had a not good year this year. I think Dan Mullen got fired more for we stuff we don't see within the program, in the athletic department, maybe dealings with who knows, boosters, players, parents, who knows. But there's something fishy about firing Dan Mullen after a bad year in a year where USC and LSU are also looking for coaches, and Miami and Virginia Tech either are or might be. I'm not so sure the Florida job's a great job given those openings because you could go to Miami and do pretty well, much easier, I think, in the ACC than the SEC. And uh, obviously LSU, LSU, you got all the players in Louisiana are yours in LSU, uh, in Florida, you got to share them with Florida State, with Miami, with everybody coming in there poaching your players. So uh, good luck to you, Florida. I don't know where you're going. Maybe to the NFL, maybe to some coordinator guy I never heard of. Maybe there's a magic man out there. But they've been looking for the guy ever since Urban left, and they haven't been able to find it. And my guess is, uh, no, Urban has no interest. So uh, Dan Mullen, out. 
at Florida. Luke Fickle, soon to get rich. Luke Fickle and Jimmy Sexton, the guy who's the kingmaker when it comes to coaching. Jimmy Sexton going to get very, very, very rich on commissions this offseason. All right, let's switch to the National Football League. You want to do Bengals first or you want to do Browns first? If we save the best for last, we'll save the Bengals for last because the Bengals look really good today in Las Vegas. The Browns, well, the Browns won. They beat the Lions of Chris Spielman and um, Dan Campbell. And uh, who was that quarterback? Uh Tyler Boyle, Timmy O'Boyle, uh, Boyle on my bottom. I don't. Anyway, he was bad, Mr. Boyle. Or was it Doyle? <laughs> He's not good enough for me to remember his name. But he wasn't as bad as LeVar Arrington. Woo! LeVar Arrington on, on, on analysis. Uh, wow. That was quite possibly the worst broadcast by a network analyst that I ever remember. Um, Got to be able to say the people's names. You don't have to be able to see the game. That's an acquired skill. I would think you'd have it as a football player, but he apparently doesn't. Um, Lots of problems with LeVar Arrington, starting with the fact that he just didn't prepare. He did not know people's names. He could not pronounce people's names. He uh, sees things that aren't there. Uh, Detroit threw a pass down the field. It got intercepted. He blamed the he blamed the quarterback for throwing into double coverage. Are you kidding me? It was a great throw. The receiver wussed out on it. The receiver had inside position, and he let the corner take it from him. And then Baker Mayfield, like not af- long after that, overthrows a guy wide open, and uh, Arrington like clammed up, wouldn't say anything. Now, this is the thing. Fans know when a player makes a mistake. And if you think as an analyst you're going to protect that player, fans' eyes work. And they won't respect you at all. And they certainly won't respect you if you can't get a name like Joel Batonio. Like Joel Batonio has been Pro Bowl player for a long time. And this was early in the game when you know Gus Johnson's going to talk to you at some point about the other Cleveland starters. You've got to have the names down. Awful, awful performance by LeVar Arrington. Okay. As for the Browns, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback rating, um, well, worse than Andy Dalton's on Thursday night football against the Browns a long time ago when Brian Hoyer had the Browns off to like leading the division before uh, they threw Johnny Manziel in there and Mike, the Mike Pettin era came crashing down around them. But Baker Mayfield was not good today. He threw an interception early in the game, and, and, and LeVar Arrington's extolling the corner, and I'm like, well, if he didn't catch it, it's going to hit him right in the face. Like, Baker overthrew his tight end by by five yards. Baker was bad. And I know Baker's hurt. And everybody's, everybody who loves Baker, which is like, if you're a Browns fan, you have to love Baker because if you don't, you know, blah, 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 blah. well, anyway. Baker Mayfield is a slightly better Andy Dalton. He's got a slightly bigger arm than Andy Dalton, but he's not as calm as Andy Dalton. And Baker Mayfield is pretty much another Andy Dalton in that he keeps both teams in the game. He does. Hurt, healthy. He, unless he hands off and the running game is going well and all he's got to do is cross up your tendencies and, you know, like at Cincinnati and the defense gets him a score and a couple turnovers. Yeah, he looks good there, but everybody should look good there. Baker Mayfield, if you're hurt, don't play. If you play and you're hurt and you don't play well, don't tell me you're hurt. That's my rule. If you're well enough to play, 
Don't blame your injuries for your performance. Don't play. Get better. Baker Mayfield's made a bad decision this year to keep playing. The Browns have made a bad decision to keep playing him when they have a capable backup like Case Keenum, who's a game manager, and they have the talent to win with a quarterback as game manager. And today, of course, after the game, Emily uh, Mayfield, who's like the Donald Trump of NFL wives, she can't stay off social media. She's got to go on there and repost something from somebody who says, how dare you criticize Baker Mayfield? Oh, he's such a warrior. Oh, he's a... Okay. Like, you're paid a lot of money to quarterback the Cleveland Browns. If you're doing your job, I'm not going to pat you on the back for it. And again, like I said, if you're not well, don't play. If you don't play well, don't blame the injuries for it. Go out there, take your medicine. Don't overthrow people. And so I got no patience for Baker Mayfield. And now there are those who think, look, this has gone south and the Browns aren't going to offer him a lot of money. They shouldn't offer him a lot of money. I wouldn't offer him a lot of money. There's too many quarterbacks out there who aren't happy where they are. Aaron Rodgers is not happy where he is, the presumption. Russell Wilson not happy where he is. That's the perception. I mean, is Matt Ryan long for Atlanta? I don't know what his contract is. Would you take Matt Ryan for the next three years? I sure would. Would you take... Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, yes. You know who the comparable on Baker Mayfield is? Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is the comparable on Baker Mayfield because the Titans, and I know they lost today, but the Titans ask Ryan Tannehill to do what Ryan Tannehill can do. They don't ask Ryan Tannehill to do what Pat Mahomes can do because he couldn't do it, and that's the key. You have to know what your quarterback's capabilities are. You have to call plays to that. You have to defend to that. Your special teams has to complement that. And right now, I don't see the Browns doing that with Baker Mayfield. Y'all got excited when he threw boatloads of touchdown passes as a rookie. I said the league would adjust to him. He'd have to have an answer. So far, you'd have to say he really doesn't have an answer. And so the Cleveland Browns win. Good for them. Uh, now they've got the first of two against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. This is a very, 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 very odd thing that they go to Baltimore, and then after they go to Baltimore, they get a week off, and then Baltimore comes to Cleveland. The Baltimore Ravens found a way today against the Chicago Bears and the aforementioned Andy Dalton. The Browns, 6-5, um, and they're going to have to do no worse than split against the Ravens. Don't know if Lamar Jackson will be back. Maybe he's got COVID. Who knows? But that'll be interesting to see as the Browns go to Baltimore. And if you're hurt going to Baltimore, you're going to really be hurt coming out of Baltimore because you get hit at Baltimore. That is unquestioned. All right, now to the Cincinnati Bengals after we remind you that we are coming up really fast on December the 15th. It's an important date to remember. Not just because you'll know who's playing in the college football playoff. Not just because you'll know who your seven champions are in Ohio high school football. But because that's the deadline for changing your health insurance as an individual. For your family, for you. Don't let it ride. Okay, you might be able to buy Amazon, Apple, and let it ride and be fine. Don't let your insurance ride. Why? Because insurance changes all the time. Have your costs gone up? In other things in your life, why would you think your insurance costs wouldn't go up? Do doctors drop in and out of programs all the time? Do benefits get cut? Do hospitals get bought by other companies and fall out of networks and things like that? Yes. So why would you just assume everything you want is in there still? 
and the price you're paying is a fair price still. You don't know that, but you know who does. My friends at auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. It's a website. It's a health insurance brokerage, really, but it's their website. And if you go there, a friendly chat person will pop up and say, hi, can I help you? And you just type in your question and they'll research it and get back to you with the answers. And presto changeo, you now know whether what you're paying is a good expenditure. You have until December 15th to do this. I would not wait. I would do it now because they'll get swamped at the end and you'll get busy. And you know how it is when you're 10 days out from Christmas. So do it right now and get it done. AUIinfo.com. Tell them you heard about them on the We Tackle Life podcast. I'd appreciate that. They're great people. I am just saying that. Chrissy and Julie and Steve and their 17 employees, they understand family because they have families. They understand small business. They understand businesses up to 50 people. That's their sweet spot. Let them put together a benefits package for your business, bundle you with other businesses to get you a better deal, or... The pressing concern right now is open enrollment that ends December the 15th. So take care of it, auiinfo.com. Cincinnati Bengals, 6-4, and four, win against the Las Vegas Raiders. And the Bengals, pretty nice win here. Made a lot of plays down the stretch. Teams that make plays on the for- in the fourth quarter on the road are teams that have a quality that playoff teams must have. And Joe Mixon had a nice day. Jamar Chase had a nice day. Joe Burrow had a nice day. The defense had a nice day. And so did Evan McPherson, their field goal kicker. When you have a field goal kicker who can hit three times from 50 yards plus on questionable turf, ask yourself, how far have the Baltimore Ravens gone with um, Justin Tucker over the years? That's a weapon, man. And Evan McPherson looks like he gives the Bengals that weapon. Now, I remember in the early infant stages of the Cincinnati Bengals, and some of my buddies will too, so I heard a name today that I have not heard in forever. Climb into the Cincinnati Bengals Wayback Machine with me, kids. Do you remember their first kicker? (laughs) The legendary, in name only, Horst Muleman. Horst Muleman. I think Horst was a mule man over in, I don't know, Denmark or somewhere. (laughs) I picture Horst hauling, I don't know, milk to market on the backs of a donkey. And he probably became a good kicker by kicking the mule in the tail to get it to go. Horst Muleman, your first Bengals kicker. And he had three 50-yard field goals in a season. In a season, he's the only Bengals kicker, and think of how many Bengals kickers there have been in 50-plus years, who's had as many as three 50-yard field goals in an entire season. He had three. He had four in 19, 1970. That's a lot for then. A 45-yard field goal was considered long then. But Horst Muehlman had four in a season. McPherson is six of seven on 50-plus. He's getting her done, man. And so the Bengals win today. They pulled away at the end. They turned some turnovers into touchdowns and pulled away at the finish. 32-13. Now they get the Steelers at home. I could think that one could get ugly for the Steelers. That one could get ugly. That one seems like a trap to me. Bengals, Steelers, Thanksgiving week. Look out. Steelers are playing right now. We'll see how they do. But that one looks like a pretty inviting game for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. little high school football update. 
uh, love covering high school football. I covered a D5 game on Saturday. I covered a D2 game on Friday. Uh, D5 Saturday, D2 Friday. I saw a kid play Friday for Cincinnati Winton Woods who is the fastest, most elusive, jitterbuggy kind of player that I've seen live in high school football or college football for a long time. He looks so much like Darren Sproles in manner. It's amazing. His name is Tyreek Spikes from Cincinnati Winton Woods. I asked him after the game, I said, is Luke Fickle on you? And he goes, tell him, tell him about me. Man, Luke, what are you doing? Like, this kid is a stud, and it's not a great thing because I said, Tyreek, you going to college? He goes, yeah, I'm going to college. I want to be a doctor. So Tyreek's got the grades. Tyreek's also a pretty good baseball player, but wow, was he good. And Winton Woods is a seven seed. I think they're the lowest seed left in the high school playoffs. I would not put it past Winton Woods winning, winning the D2 state championship. In D1, Upper Arlington, shout out, Justin Buttermore, Carson Graysock, Simon Monin. Uh, all the kids from UA, oh, they got a big bite of the apple by taking down Pick Central in triple overtime on Friday. You can read about that on PressProsMagazine.com, P-R-E-S-S-P-R-O-S Magazine.com. But, whoa, it doesn't get any easier. Lakewood St. Ed's on Friday night in Mansfield. So good luck to the Bears. If you're a Bears fan, we will have the head coach of the Upper Arlington Golden Bears, Justin Buttermore, on the Press Pros Huddle Show Tuesday night. Tuesday night. So go to my Twitter, Hool's Twitter, and you'll be able to watch that right at 8 o'clock. Shout out to the Coldwater Cavs, head coach Chip Otten. They're getting her done in Division Six. They play West Jefferson in the uh, state semifinals. That game is at Piqua's Alexander Stadium on Saturday night. Good luck to Marion Local. They take down St. Henry. Marion Local's trying for a record, an Ohio record, 12th, state championship and shout out to the Kirtland Hornets. They are in D5. They would run into Versailles in the state title game if Kirtland gets by its semi. Kirtland has won 54 straight games and Kirtland is now in the state final four for the is it the 10th time in 11 years? Woo! Maybe Florida ought to hire Tiger Laverty, the Kirtland coach. That dude is getting it done. Shout out to coach Laverty. So those are high school updates, and I love covering the high school football, and make sure you are dialed in on PressProsMagazine.com. We cover Ohio State basketball. They play tomorrow night man, against Seton Hall in Florida. Whew, we'll see how that goes. Okay, to the faith portion of the podcast. A lot going on in our world. As I sit here and talk to you Sunday night, um, for the last several hours, I've been watching news coverage from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Waukesha, Wisconsin, I don't know it exactly. I've never been there, but I've been to Madison, Wisconsin. I've been to the Wisconsin Dells. Wisconsin is a state a lot like Ohio. Wisconsin is a mixture of cities and really wonderful rural people. And to this afternoon at a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, a person driving a red SUV it appears, willfully ran down children and elderly people and everybody else in a Christmas parade. When I think about the level of evil that you have to be gripped by to advantage a situation 
meant to celebrate or commemorate or build excitement for Christmas, which was the birth of Christ on earth. It is a stark reminder to me what evil can do to a person. Evil can make you lose completely your perspective. We have seen it across our country um, in the aftermath of the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, in the riots that um, precipitated the circumstances around Kyle Rittenhouse being placed on trial. We have seen it for years now since the um, death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And it's all a manifestation of evil and hatred gripping men's hearts and motivating them to do things that are detached from decorum, detached from reality, and indicate that evil is very rampant, very active, very alive in our world. This is not new. I know we probably all remember a kinder, gentler era in America. But this is not new to America, and it's not new to the world. Today, in church, uh, one of our pastors gave a message that was very, very interesting. And in the midst of that message, he was talking about the scene on the night that the Roman soldiers arrested Jesus uh, when he was betrayed by Judas Iscariot, his disciple. And Judas pointed out to the soldiers who Jesus was, told them where Jesus would be. And as the soldiers approached Jesus, if you read this in the Gospels, you will find two things that are a remarkable demonstration of the blindness, of the blind determination, of the strong-willed, hard-headed, stiff-necked rebellion in the mind of a depraved human being that should have caused those Roman soldiers and the people trying to arrest and kill Jesus. It should have caused them to go, wait a second, what are we doing here? But it did not. You know what happened. Jesus was put on the cross died for our sins, and rose from the dead after three days. But here are the two things that happened that night. That as you read them in your Bible, don't just skim over them. Think about putting yourself in the position of the soldiers and what they witnessed, and then going ahead with arresting Jesus and dividing his clothes by gambling for them and putting a crown of thorns on his head and spitting on him and mocking him after you saw first... What happened when the soldiers came up to Jesus and they said, hey, he asked them, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. And what happened? In one of the Gospels, I'm sorry, I don't have my Bible in front of me and I don't know the exact particulars, but in one of the Gospels it says, they immediately fell down. (laughs) They fell down. Now, 
There's like a legion of soldiers. They're armed. They're bad. They're bad men. They're, they're nasty dudes, right? They're Roman soldiers. He's a rabbi in a robe <laughs> in the garden late at night. Why would they fall down? Well, they fell down because his power, his deity, his presence was overwhelming to them and should have made them go, hey, wait a second. Why did I just fall down when this guy said, I am he? Maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe there's something about this guy we should consider. No, they didn't do that. They just got right back up and arrested him. So then what happened? So Peter, you know, impetuous Peter, pulls out a sword and I will always believe Peter was like trying to kill Malchus, the high priest's servant. And he takes a swing at Malchus with his sword. And I don't know if Malchus ducked or turned his head or Peter's aim was bad, but Peter didn't get Malchus by the neck. He got his ear. And the gospels say he sliced Malchus's ear off. And Jesus is standing there, his guy, Peter, fighting back. Does Peter say, does Jesus say, get him, get him. And a big brawl breaks out. No, Jesus reaches down, get, I assume he picks up Malchus's bloody ear. He thinks Malchus is sitting, you think Malchus is sitting there calm like, oh, wow, that hurt. No, he's probably screaming, right? Oh, he's probably wailing. What would you do if your ear was cut off? And the Bible says Jesus puts the ear back on Malchus and restores it. He didn't call 911. The medics didn't show up and whisk Malchus away to Jerusalem General Hospital. Jesus restored Malchus's ear right there in front of everybody. Now, I would say, if I'm a soldier, hold up. This guy, that's a pretty good trick. Maybe we shouldn't trifle with him. Maybe he's able to do things a mortal man isn't able to do. Maybe he is who he says he is, the Messiah. But instead, their ego, they were so blind, so determined, so tunnel vision, so filled with hate, so gripped by depravity, that they were like, oh, is your good? All right, you, come with us. Think of the blindness brought on by evil and how it warped their sense of perspective on who Jesus really is. And so when a guy drives a van or drives an SUV into a crowd of people, when people on TV continue to perpetuate lies that have been um, debunked in the media time after time after time. The Detroit News printed today that Kyle Rittenhouse killed, or that, no, no. the Detroit News printed today that the police shot and killed Jacob Blake. Jalen Rose of ESPN said that on TV the night. The sh they shot and killed Jacob Blake. Well, they didn't, they didn't kill Jacob Blake. They shot him. And I'm not here to litigate whether Jacob Blake was in the wrong or right. If you want to know my opinion of that, you can listen to my radio show on 98.9 The Answer. But that's 
indisputably not true. And is that just like Jalen Rose and the Detroit News saying that because, well, we want people to believe that Jacob Blake was killed and it helps our cause? So, no, I don't think so. I don't think any, I don't think they're that nefarious. I think they're gripped by evil. And evil makes you blind to the truth. Evil makes you not care about the truth. Evil enslaves you to, here's a word you don't hear very often, but it's exactly what this is. Evil enslaves you to zealotry. And zealotry is a motivation that is out of control. It's a raging motivation to do something that causes you to get outside yourself, that makes you believe the ends justify the means. Whatever I have to do here to make this happen, to avenge this, to make my point, I'm going to do it. And if you just pause, take a breath and go, wait a second, did he just put that guy's ear on that guy's head and fix it? (laughs) Did I just fall down? At that demonstration of God's strength, power, aura, (laughs) we see these kinds of displays in our world not as tangibly miraculous as picking up a guy's ear that had been sliced off by a sword and restoring it, but beautiful things happen in our world all the time. You have to look for them. You have to not be gripped by evil, not be swayed by it, not be blinded by it, not be in the clutches of hatred and zealotry. And God's love is the anecdote for that. It's the only anecdote for that. It really is. And so that is what I want to leave you with today, is that I know we get passionate about our beliefs and passionate about our this, that, and the other But sometimes, man, just breathe and stop and pause and go, where is God? Where is God here? And what would God have me do here? How would he have me respond? What would he prefer I think rather than the opinion I'm already locked in on? Very useful questions to ask yourself in times such as that. So uh, pray for the people of Kenosha. There were kids, old people hit tonight. We pray for the authorities there. We pray for calm there. We pray for calm around our country. We are in the middle of Thanksgiving week, and I hope we all understand and recognize that despite all the troubles in our country, we still live in the most blessed country on earth. And I believe it was blessed by God divinely. I believe we're kicking it away. I believe we're, we're turning our back on God. We are certainly inducing him to turn his back on us, but... Um, Look for God. Look for God. He's there. He's there, and he wants to love you, and he wants to calm you down, and he wants to restore you, and he wants to communicate with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And uh, trust me, it's an amazing way to live. So that's what I have for you tonight. Hope you have a great week. Talk to you again Wednesday on the We Tackle Life podcast.